Well, um, Thursday night, I was here literally sitting in this theater right up there watching this uh, show with my wife and kids, and the lady from the rave that works here walked in and said, we need you to scooch in because all 18 theaters are sold out. It was midnight, by the way, friends. Uh, 4,000 people in this building watching the opening of this show. These are the best-selling fiction books of all time. They expect this weekend to break every record that's ever been set. Here's why I'm telling you that is our world, this culture, our town and community are watching this film. And the good news for those of us that love Jesus and have committed our lives to him and believe in his mission in this world, there's a lot in these films and the entire story that overlaps, corresponds, underscores, and illuminates our key message. See, while those are cool movies and the books have sold a lot, the, you do realize that the best-selling book of all time is a nonfiction book, right? It's called the Bible. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the Bible today than we do about Harry Potter, because if you want to learn about Harry Potter, go online, Google, do whatever you want. We're going to talk a little bit about that, of course, but most of all, I want to help you understand God's Word and God's perspective on a few of the major themes that come up in this film. Now, let me, let me say this to, to you today. We, we are not in any um, week of this series called Summer at the Movies endorsing any of these films. Now, a lot of folks in this room watch this. I made it clear that I watch with my kids. That's just in disclosure. And a lot of you in this room made decisions for you and your family that we applaud and believe in and endorse you to do just like you're supposed to, to not engage these films with your kids or for yourself. And that's totally fine. I mean, that's good. We're gonna, in fact, we're going to talk a bit more about that as well, because there are some themes in this film. In fact, almost every film I've seen over the last five years that run counter to, run in the opposite direction of where I think God would like for his people to go. And we want to talk about that as well. But first, before we get started, I want to teach you a key phrase that I think is not only important as we talk about this film, it's a phrase that I hope you'll take with you your entire life. Now, it's not going to be a complicated phrase, but the implications of this phrase are going to be massive, all right? It's a phrase that I picked up somewhere along in my childhood without even realizing I'd really picked it up. It's a phrase that when I've engaged the basic principle has saved me a lot of headache, brought me a lot of wisdom, taken me places I couldn't even dream about going. Are you you ready for this? I'm hoping I'm whetting your appetite enough, but here's, here's the phrase. What does the Bible have to say about that? That's the phrase. What does the Bible have to say about that? See, we are in this church all about Jesus. We are all about Jesus because we believe Jesus is God himself in the form of a human being brought to this earth to redeem the world, to demonstrate God's love, to be God in the flesh to us. We believe that the words of Jesus recorded in the Bible, when you read the words in red, if that's the addition you have, It's as good as hearing God talk directly to you. I mean, that's how important Jesus is. That's how important his words are. And we believe that his death and resurrection makes all the difference. We believe that everybody in this room will spend eternity somewhere. And we believe that if you're in a relationship with Jesus, it makes an eternal difference here and now and there and then. For us, it is the core of everything. And God has given us this amazing best-selling book called the Bible. I have it here on my little electronic device. I know a lot of you, as we're going through the scriptures, you pull up your, your U version on your phone or whatever. And some of you, you know, still carry a hard Bible. I, when I'm actually preparing for a message, I actually like to open up my leather-bound Bible right there on my desk. And, and we believe that God loved us so much that he gave us a book called the Bible to reveal to us himself. 
He revealed to us the story of Jesus, his birth and his life and his teachings and the miracles and the death and the resurrection and the church as it began. We believe that when you read the Bible, you begin to get the character of God. God revealed himself here. It's special. So when you ask the question, what does the Bible have to say about that? What you're basically saying is, is, I wonder what God thinks about this. But it's a little bit different than just me saying, if we were having a conversation, oh, I think God would like for us to think this, or I think maybe God thinks this, or what I know about God, this is what he would believe about this. When you say, what does the Bible say about that, even though you're invoking the idea of what would God think, it's a little bit more tangible. Because when you say, what does the Bible have to say about that, what you're saying is there might be some boundaries around all that God could say about this. What has God already told us? What has God already revealed about himself? And this is very much more important than me just kind of out of thin air, pulling out of my head or out of my heart some idea of what I think God might think about a subject. You know, I'm taking a lot of time to drill down on this issue because when we talk about the themes in Harry Potter or any other movie or any other current issue going on in our culture, we think about the wars that are happening across the big pond. What does God have to say about that? What does the Bible inform us that God might say about that. When I think about, for instance, the relational dynamics going on in my life, what does the Bible have to say? Not just what do I think God might feel, what does the Bible have to say? Now, here's why I'm talking about this. I'm a pastor, it's my call. It also happens to be my title, but there's a difference between a call and a title. A title is um, the role I serve in this organization. In our organization, my technical title is lead pastor. I lead the staff, I preach, I pray, I set up systems to help the church move forward along the mission of Jesus in our present congregation. That's good, that's over here though. When I say I'm a pastor, what I'm really trying to say to you is, is that I have a heart to see you grow and develop. And something has come on my radar over the last few weeks, and it has hit me like 10 different ways. I thought about it at length as I sat right up there in that seat watching this film. I remember thinking a couple of things when I sat there Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, First of all, that's a terrible view. I don't like the way that looks up there. I I can't wait until we get our own facility and it just looks better. And uh, I I thought, you know, I I don't know how short I look. I'm fairly short, but I'm not near as short as I look right now. All right. I'm a whole lot taller in person than I'm looking to you right now. Um, But that that, that was like in the back of my mind. But, But the other thing I thought is, you know, in this room, so many people are gathering and they're being entertained. They're engaging amusement, which is fine. Oh, man. We, we love doing that with our kids, laughter and shared experience. Great story if you, if you like that sort of thing. One of the reasons why I enjoyed this film is it harkens back to, I think, one of the greatest writers, English writers of all time, a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis, and he wrote great stories and using a lot of the same imagery, and underneath all of his stories was very spiritual themes. He was a solid Christian, and so when I watched Harry Potter, I saw a lot of those same things. I'm really enjoying that, but that's not what really stirred me and gripped me and reinforced some things that God was talking to me about. What really gripped me was is that in this room, people are being amused. You know what that word means, right? Muse is uh, the the concept here of musing is to think about or to ponder, to be immersed in an idea. And when you add an A in front of a word like that, it often means to undo or it's called the negating ah. So amusement means to not think, not engage. And that's the last thing God wants us to do. As followers of Jesus in this room, listen, if you're exploring today and you're not sure where you are with Jesus, somebody dragged you here, you're not sure, you've been wounded and you engaged church in the past, but it's been a long time, that's fine. 
But I have to talk to those of us today with clarity who are following him. God has called us to simply not be amused. That has its proper place within certain boundaries. But to fully engage concepts and ideas that are floating out in the culture. But he hasn't called us, and here's why I want to caution you, to just simply spout off. He hasn't called us to simply tell what we think. He hasn't called us to simply draw from our experience and our woundings and our wisdom and say, here's what I think God would like you to know. That's not what he's called us to do first and foremost. He's called us to go to the book that he gave us called the Bible and to discover his words and wisdom on whatever subject we're already talking about. Here's the deal. Your experiences and your wisdom and your knowledge and training, all of that matters. But somewhere way down here. I mean, when we're trying to figure out God's heart on an issue, all of it matters somewhere down here. On the top of the list is God's word. Here's the deal, friends. If you're following Jesus and God's word isn't regularly informing you, when I say God's word, I don't mean your impressions. I don't mean your feelings and emotions at the time. I mean his written, revealed word in the pages of the Bible. If that's not a part of it, well, then you're missing out on one of God's greatest gifts. There will be a lot of Christians who go to heaven, spend eternity with Jesus, that will have their eyes opened the moment they close them this side of heaven and open them in heaven. They will have their eyes open to an amazing amount of truth. That's gonna be true for all of us. But a lot of the truth that you're gonna discover when you go beyond the grave is available to you right now in the pages of God's word. So I sat right up there and I'm watching this film and I'm thinking, oh, wait, 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 wait that's in the Bible. Like, for instance, if you saw the film and, and, and uh, at Deathly Hallows Part 1 and they're at the grave, if I have the storyline confused, email me later. But uh, I enjoyed the films. I just don't pay that much attention. But they're standing in the graveyard and they're reading the inscriptions like over the tomb of Harry's parents. And there is a passage of Scripture there. I mean, it's right there. It doesn't tell you that it's a passage of Scripture, but it's black and white Jesus. And then over um, another grave, there's this one of my favorite passages of Scripture, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And I'm thinking, I wonder how many people are watching this film, and they think, oh, that's cute, that's sentimental, that's nice. What a nice idea. And I'm thinking, that's God's Word. It's more than a nice idea. It's truth that speaks to a variety of issues of life. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I wonder, I wonder as I sat in that seat right up there and watched people watch and they laughed and they engaged and when Ron kissed Hermione, it didn't seem like that big of a deal to me, but every preteen and teenage girl and a few 20-year-olds too, they giggled as if he was kissing them. I didn't quite understand that, but it was interesting nonetheless. I'm wondering like, as I'm sitting up there watching this film, I wonder if people are getting what's really going on. So I pulled a few themes out I want to talk to you about. Not endorsing the film at all. We'll talk about that in a second. But here's the first one. I think as I watched all of these films over the last three months with my kids, watched them with my kids, and I don't want my kids just watching them on their own. I want to talk about the big deals with them. By the way, that's a good parenting principle. I'm not smart enough to come up with that. That's just God's word. God's word says that parents should walk along life with kids, going indoors, going out of doors, coming and going, rising and falling, engaging kids and sharing with them all of God's teaching as life just kind of unfolds. 
So for me and my wife, we just watch films with our kids, and then we talk about stuff afterwards. A lot of times, they don't even know we're talking about real stuff, but that's our job as parents, just kind of getting God's words and God's perspective into that situation. So we're watching these over the last three months, catching up. It's the first time I ever saw one in a theater, and I thought about this, that God loves new beginnings. He really does. I mean, this story with Harry Potter begins with him being a child and being marked by a traumatic experience. I'll leave that for you to discover. And his entire life, he has these false starts with a family that's really not his own, but kind of, sort of, and then a school, and then trying to find a friend group. All these starts, and it reminds me very much of a biblical theme that a lot of you in this room have experienced that God loves new beginnings, that he is the God of fresh starts, that you can have all kinds of things happen in your life, sometimes things that aren't so great, and that the moment you turn towards God and invite him in your life, it is as if the old is gone and the new has come. It's like a brand new day. Oh, sometimes you still have to deal with fallout from previous choices, experiences, things that happened to you. But with God, it is as if all things are brand new. And again, Ben didn't just make that up. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, on the screen behind me or in your Bible, we'll use several verses today. Here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old has gone and the new has come. I mean, the whole reason the Bible tells us Jesus came into this world is so that you and I could get a fresh start with God, a new beginning with him. And that's good news. Jesus made it very clear when he was in the temple reading from the Bible about himself, a prophecy that foretold what he would be about. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. Here's what he says. His whole purpose was, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me or empowered me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Some of you are sitting in this room, and you haven't like fully engaged Jesus yet. And those of us that have, we're waiting with bated breath for you. Listen, we don't want to make that decision for you. We know we can't. We'd love to. That's how much we believe in this. But we're waiting for the moment you fully step in, release your life to God's control, and experience what he talks about here, a freedom and a liberation and a hope, and a loosening of the bonds, and a freedom like you've never, ever really known, a true and total new beginning. And this happens over and over in the film, just about the time you think they're done, just about the time it looks like dark forces are going to overtake the good, when some major character has a flaw, and that's one of the things I enjoy about these particular stories, is all the heroes have flaws. I just think that seems a little bit more realistic, and it kind of counters all the magic stuff that doesn't seem so real to me. But anyway, it seems a little bit more realistic because I can relate to a little bit of that, can't you? Have you ever like just been going along life's way and you make a wrong turn and you need a do-over? Here's the good news about that. You may still have to deal with some of the consequences of those choices and things that happen to you, but God, our God, the God who revealed himself in Jesus and in the pages of the Bible wants you to know this about him. That he's a God of new beginnings Millions of people this weekend will watch this film and they will long for fresh starts. They will long for a power to tap into that will help them be on the next hurdle. And many of them will never, never think that that power superseding what is available for them to view on the screen is available to them in real life. In the person of Jesus, all they have to do is open their Bibles, 
And there he is. Many of them will never do that. But God's given us, many of us in this room, relationships and experiences where we can talk with people about that kind of a God. Yeah, I sat up there and I thought, God, I long for the day when this room is full of people. And we're getting there. I mean, you looked around, it's pretty full today. When this room is full of people, not hoping against hope on some magical picture on a screen, but pressing in with open hearts, teachable spirits, and a hunger for your word, Lord. God, I sat there and prayed through half the film. God, fill this room with followers of Jesus that are so authentic and real, showing their flaws and all, but experiencing your power and being transformed so that it becomes a magnetic force. And people you know, flock to see what you're doing in and among us, and then they experience the change for themselves. Yeah, he's a God of new beginnings. Here's an, another major theme I thought that I, I just love this. I, it's been such a part of my own spiritual development, so it really, really spoke to me. And it, it's very simple. It's, you can't do it alone. You, you can't do it alone. God loves new beginnings, and you can't do this. You were never designed to walk this relationship with God, just you and him. Uh, no, God gave you a larger family called the family of God. Uh, they're not blood-related in one sense, and yet for all of us that follow Jesus, the blood of Christ shed on the cross has been applied to our lives, and it kind of unites us in a bond that runs deeper than just physical blood here and now. It's like the bond that existed in the films between Ron and Hermione and Harry as all through all seven films they partnered together. And there were times when Harry wouldn't have made it without his friends. And there are people who sat in this room, I'm telling you, and they're lonely. And they're feeling very isolated. I know this because many of them came in dressed in garb. Like, looked like there were like 84 Harry Potters in this room. I'm thinking, there's something wrong with you, kid. I love you. Somebody's have to have an honest talk with you. That's just strange. I'm only halfway exaggerating. I like the film, but come on, dude. Dressing up at a... Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, God help me. Uh, I, don't, I, try to, I don't have much compassion. Anyway, but I, I'm thinking there are some lonely, lonely people in this world, and they don't know because they, don't have the, they haven't opened up God's Word that available to them is this larger family of God that He's put around you. Brothers, and sisters with a bond that is deep and eternal that begins now will last for forever. People that walk alongside you, encourage you, press into you and grow with you. I was chatting with the staff. We do a monthly training event, kind of a road trip, and we're coming back. And we were just chatting. And oh, I love those moments. It was just building me up. And I had this thought. I want, the way it came out in our conversation, I'll say it, it's kind of one-sided, but then we'll broaden it in a second. But I want every man in this room to have a relationship with a follower of Jesus that is deep and authentic so that when that man in this room needs to have somebody encourage them, that follower of Jesus is right there, knows them enough, and can speak into their life. And I want every man in this room to have some kind of relationship with another follower of Jesus so that when... He needs spoken to in a corrective way, in a directive way, in a, wait, you need to be careful going in that direction. Somebody that'll speak honesty into his life. And I want every person in this room to have that kind of a relationship with somebody else tangible in this earth, their brother, if you're a lady, their sister, who will speak encouragement and correction 
and truth into their life, knowing that it may be awkward and weird, but there's still a receptivity because you trust the heart of the person speaking. I can't tell you the amount of calamity I have avoided because somebody was there for me, walking headlong into the lion's den and somebody snatched me out last minute, or in the middle of my battle, somebody come alongside and said, I'll help carry this with you. And some of you have believed that your relationship with Jesus is so personal, and it is, but you translated that as private. And I understand that. But you have to, you have to hear, in the pages of God's word, there is a bigger picture here, that you and I have a family available to us. And some of you are doing it alone, and you don't have to. So around here, we gather together. We can't build deep relationships here. I mean, that would just be odd. It would take forever, and we have to be out of here by 11.30. So what we do then is we have small groups or different experiences. Or last night, I went to the tech team, the guys that make sure all this. I went to their cookout. I'm not even on that team. They invited me, and they're all hanging around and getting to know each other and learning the names of their kids and their spouses. And I'm like, I didn't even know he had a girlfriend, and I'm kind of surprised because she was, you know, looked like there's a significant upgrade for him. Ryan, I'm talking about you. And... Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'd never met him, kid. Where are you, Ryan? You're back there somewhere. But I'm like, I, I never met her before. That's awesome. I mean, but you learn things about them and you can encourage each other and you can move forward together. Oh yeah, that Ron, Hermione, Harry thing. That's right from the pages of God's word. When community like that happens, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And yeah, of course there's conflict because there's human beings involved and it affects things and it's awkward and tough. Let me, let, me, let me give you a little word of advice, friends. If you are doing the thing with Jesus so privately that nobody else, and you're not having conversations, and you're not risking enough to ask questions, and you're not sharing enough with your friends, I always want to encourage you, press in. You weren't meant to do this alone. You really weren't. Our entire culture craves the kinds of relationships that God's word says can be ours when we're a part of the family of God. That's why I believe so deeply in what we're doing. I believe that we can help people experience Jesus, which will change them now and for eternity. But I also believe we can create a community here that will change them practically, ongoing, and build them up. Don't stay away. Don't always wait for somebody else to initiate. And if you're in a relationship with another brother in Christ or sister in Christ, and you believe in your heart of hearts that they're going in the wrong direction, about to step off the cliff, spend a few minutes in prayer, and then risk having a conversation. Do it humbly. Do it carefully. Do it by saying, first of all, I wonder what God's word says about this. And then talk to them as if you love them and if you care about them. You'd be surprised how powerful that'll be in your life and in their life. Here's, here's another major theme that I picked up from, uh, from Harry Potter as I kind of catch up here on my screen here. Number three, you got to invest in your own growth. You got to invest in your own growth. Harry spends major months of the year at Hogwarts Academy. It's a school for people like him who have special abilities. You do know this as make-believe, right? And um, so I know some people don't, evidently, but uh, they have special abilities and they go and they're in school. They're learning. They're in a growth environment. It's as if they realize that their potential, whatever it is in that made-up story, will never be fully realized if there isn't some intentional investment. So they sacrifice, they work hard, they press in. They don't make the mistake in the movie of believing just because they have some special abilities, some skills and insights, that that alone is going to carry them. 
just because they have special relationships, that isn't alone going to carry them. They believe they have to grow, and that growth requires an active participation on their part. You do know that the Bible talks about this, don't you? I mean, there are passages everywhere. Proverbs 27, 17 is the simplest one that I could find. It simply says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens the countenance of his friend. The word countenance means the face. And it's not talking in a definitive, you know, concrete way here that you sharpen somebody's face. That image is just kind of odd. But that you lift their face. You help them to see more clearly. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. But if only that person wants to be in that relationship. I mean, if you're always alone, if you're never revealing, if you don't fully press in, then you're not going to experience iron sharpening iron and you miss out on so much that God has to offer. Some of you, honestly, you need to just humble yourself, carve out your calendar and get in a learning small group and submit yourself to some intentional teaching. You tell yourself you're busy, you tell yourself you know enough. Let me make this clear. I've met some spiritual giants in my life. I hope one day that people will say that about me, not because I'm trying to be arrogant, but because I want to model Jesus that way. I haven't ever met a spiritual giant that didn't have a soft and teachable heart. I mean, they just don't go anywhere without a soft and teachable heart. You can't be a spiritual giant. You can't model Jesus without a soft and teachable heart. And people with soft and teachable hearts, they're amazing at strategizing their life around getting in environments where God can challenge them and grow them. If I stood on the stage and said, um, here are four box seats to the Reds game today. The good seats, like the, all the free food and all the free drink, you know, right behind home plate. Who would like them? A lot of you would put your hands up, but I don't have them. This is a story. It's an illustration, all right? Don't get excited, all right? Uh, I know we give away stuff here, but I don't even want to. You would get, like, really excited. H- here's the deal. If I said everybody has available to them those seats today, some of you already have plans for this afternoon. Some of you already have things going on. You already have uh, goals and agendas you want to meet. For some of you, it's just sleeping. For others of you, you have an event with your family. For some of you, you're going to... But many of you would mer- move earth and hell you know, to get a hold of the, and take advantage of that opportunity. Because, you know, that's a special, special thing, right? And it's free. Now, now listen, I don't want to, like, belabor, uh, you know, an illustration too, too hardcore. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. You and I have available to us in this community and on the Internet, uh, in podcasts, through books, through the pages of Scripture, eternal truth, life-changing and we can't adjust our schedule to engage God's truth, to be in God's community, to be sharpened, to be changed. If you don't invest in your own growth, the very benefits of following Jesus, and I don't mean to like appeal to the selfish nature, I just mean all the things he promises that can be ours. You will not uncover them. They will be gifts left unwrapped under the Christmas tree. God says, Put yourself consistently in growth environments. Be challenged and changed. Here's a couple of good growth environments for you. This room. So when you take a next step, some of you, I'm afraid, maybe I'm just a little paranoid here, have gotten in the habit of just checking a box and you get the email and you don't actually ever really follow through. I I don't know. That's just a hunch I have. Listen, that's between you and the Lord ultimately. But from my heart, I don't want that for you. I don't need it, by the way, to feel good about myself. 
I'm like 40. I've kind of given up on feeling great about me, okay? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to have that ambition, but I'm, I'm kind of beyond that, all right? I want it for you. I want you to take advantage of what's available to you. I want you to take advantage of what we offer here. We have thought, prayed, strategized. We have consulted, gotten on our knees, and sweated. We have cried, laughed, prayed, recruited, fired. We've done all we know to do to create an environment of growth around here. But if you don't take advantage, you can be a part of this church for 20 years, and what will in effect happen is you will be a 20-year-old Christian with Jesus, but really, you'll be like one-year-old 20 times. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want that for you. That's not what God, he wants you to grow up. I mean, one of the cool things about watching this film for me in three, uh, you know, three months watching them all was I got to see like the first film several years ago. They're like little kids and now they're like adults, uh, almost adults. And then the last five minutes are like, they show you like adults. And some of you thought it was really hokey. I thought it was cool, but I'm not like really into it. So uh, I get it. But anyway, I, I liked watching the progress over time. I gotta say, nothing stokes my heart more than watching somebody come to Jesus and grow in their faith. And my radar kicks up really high when I see people engaged and they're all excited. Maybe they get baptized, maybe, and then they fall off. So a couple of growth environments, this room. Another one is serving. When you serve in a local church or volunteer in your school, God puts you in environments where you're just like rubbing up against people and real life happens. And God can speak to you through that. So we encourage everybody in this room as a part of their discipleship to get in a serving role to get in a consistent program of engaging God's word, maybe through a small group or through personal study, and to do corporate worship here, right here together. We didn't make that up. That's from the pages of God's word. It's also very clearly demonstrated in church history. Here's the last point I want to make with you, and then I'm going to bring this to a close. As I watched this film, I was reminded of something that I think people like to laugh about. It's why some of you in this room haven't engaged these films, and I want you to know I applaud that. It's okay. There are dark forces in this world. There are dark powers in this world, and they're real. And the Bible makes it very clear they're to be avoided. Now, I personally don't believe that by watching a film about wizards and witches means that you want people to be wizards and witches. I've enjoyed fantasy literature most all my adult life. My favorite author, C.S. Lewis, wrote that. For me, I hear amazing Christian themes. But see, that's my worldview. I grew up in the pages of God's word. It was modeled in my home. We went to church. And so when I watch a story, I don't even care what the author meant. I don't even know. I mean, I've read enough about J.K. Rowling, the first person to become a billionaire writing books. I've read, she claims to be a follower of Jesus. I have no reason to doubt that. As I read stuff, she doesn't necessarily follow him the way I think she should, but hey, that's between her and Jesus. But I just wanted to make it perfectly clear that there really are dark forces in this world. The Bible's very clear about this, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but there are heavenly forces at work, powers, darkness. And that the other thing it's very clear about is that with Jesus, you and Jesus are greater than any force in this world. So I just want to give a clear pastoral like caution here. Listen, if, if like you're watching these films and you have young kids, you probably want to talk to them at some point when it's age appropriate about steering them towards major biblical themes and bringing the Bible or steering them away from some of the other stuff. I really believe, and you may think I'm a kook here, but I'm just going off the Bible here. I'm, like, I'm, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm just a Bible guy. 
So if this isn't politically correct, I don't know what to tell you, okay? So, but the Bible makes it clear that you and I can dabble in things that open us up to all kinds of craziness from our enemy, the enemy of our soul who seeks to destroy and kill. And the Bible makes it clear when it talks about witchcraft, 54 times in the Bible, every time it says avoid it. Now, I still watch the film. I'm not endorsing, you know, witchcraft or you being a wizard. Uh, I don't believe there's a power within you. I think the power within you is Jesus that you invite in and he lives his life through you in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't believe in this, you know, the good within you. So go for the, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm into Jesus. And I just want to be clear in saying, um, you know, some of you parents, your radar's up because you don't feel like you have the ability to talk with your kids or you don't want to expose them. That's good for you. Amen. Do what you need to do. Others like me, take my kids. We're going to talk. We're going to work through. We're going to talk about it. That's how we're going to do it. Christians can and should disagree about some things. It's okay. As long as at the core of this, it's all about Jesus and his mission in this world, we're going to be fine. So that's what I got out of sitting in front of Harry Potter. God loves new beginnings. You can't do it alone. You and I need to be consistently in growth environments, and we need to adjust our schedule to do that, set our priorities to do that. And finally, there really are dark forces in this world. There is an eternity out there. This life, there is more to it than we know. There are forces at work, forces we can't fully control. But when we walk with Jesus, the Bible makes it clear that his power is greater. It says it this way, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. It makes it clear that neither depth nor height nor uh, things present nor things unseen nor angels, even the demons of hell, nothing can keep the love of God from moving forward on his agenda. And so, you know, if you're like into that sort of thing, I'd caution you strong and hard to uh, figure out what God's word has to say about that and adjust yourself in that direction. So here's some next steps we're going to take together as a congregation, all right? Next step number one. I wonder if there's anybody that would like to memorize Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Here's what it says. Now, li- listen to this. I love this. It's like my heart for you. Let our roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that we, you, will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he's done. It's a longer verse than we typically do, but this is like what I want you to get out of today. I want you to grow, friends. I want to grow. I don't want to ever get to the point where I think, I know so much Bible that I don't really need to read it anymore. And that's called arrogance and pride. And the Bible says that pride goes before a fall. That's just not ever the place of the believer. Here's next step B. There's some of you in this room, and the truth is you might need to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life for the very first time. The Lord, which means leader, and the Savior, which means forgiver. He reunites you, and then you walk with him. If you want to do that, we're going to pray about it here in just a minute. Some of us in this room, next step C, the truth is, is you need to just step up your growth in Christ. Now, here's the deal. You can't make yourself grow, but you can put yourself in environments to grow, and you can have an open and teachable heart. So when I say step up, I mean step up your humility, step up your intentionality, and put yourself in places to grow. Get in the Bible, friends. Get in the Bible. Get in community. Serve. Do what God needs you to do so that all the gifts he has available to you can be opened by you. And then some of us need to get baptized on July 31 and just go public with our faith. It's major celebration. If, you are like, if you're like one of those that comes once a month, you want to come here, all right? And uh, you want to just kind of see some of the fruit of what God's doing around here in this place. Let's pray together, and then we'll move on. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, you're good. You are good. You are good. 
Lord, my heart broke this week. As, as excited as I was to sit with my family and have a good time and laugh. And God, I just thought about all the people who have no idea what you're like. God, I thought about all the followers of Jesus that are, yeah, they're going to heaven, but they don't really know you. God, I long for them to get into growing environments, to get into community, Lord, to humble themselves with a teachable and open heart. Lord Jesus, make our church to be a growing, mature church in you. Always, always open to those who don't know. Never losing our come-as-you-are mentality. But God, also never being satisfied to leave people where they are when your spirit has so much more for them. God, I pray along today with those that are making a decision to follow you for the very first time. They're saying yes to Jesus. God, I want you to forgive me of my sins. Make me a part of your family. I want to follow you with my life. God, use our church. Help us to continue to engage the culture and to bring glory to your name. We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.